When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, I'm Jason, and I support Gen X Grown Up on Patreon. You should do the same, because the world just needs more GXG to make it a better place. Just go to genxgrownup.com slash Patreon to donate to the cause. No life, no fun! Don't you know that you're a grown-up? Gen X Grown Up is a YouTube channel website and audio podcast you're listening to right now. All made for and by people who love exploring media, games, tech, and toys of yesterday and today through the eyes of Gen Xers who refuse to grow up. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically, life sucks as a Welcome back, Gen X Grown Up Podcast listener, to this, the backtrack edition of the Gen X Grown Up Podcast. I am John. Joining me, as always, of course, is Mo. Hey, everybody. Wouldn't be a show without George. Hey, man. Hey, how's it going, guys? When a ragtag bunch of unproven and washed-up ball players are brought into a major league team to help them relocate to Miami by an ex-stripper with a disdain for Cleveland, Tom Berger, <laughs> Charlie Sheen, and Corbin Burnson pull on their uniforms, dust off their cleats, and swing for the fences. In this backtrack, everybody knows what it is already. In this backtrack, we're stepping up to the plate for 1989's Gen X Classic Major League. And huge shout-outs, by the way, to George for helping you write that amazing lead-in. Oh. I called him, I don't think about baseball. Help me with some baseball puns. He's like, I'm on it. We're in. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't want to sound stupid. Well. <laughs> Too late. You've done that for years. Shouldn't ask me to help you write. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you should have thought of that five years ago when you started a podcast. <laughs> yes, we are talking about Major League. You know, This started as like this... We talked about, hey, we haven't done much about sports, and then we went down this uh, kind of this rabbit hole, and then finally we ended mm-hmm. up in a sports movie, and ultimately, we're not really talking about sporting events, but this is a film that I almost maybe saw most of it because it's so prevalent, <laughs> you couldn't miss seeing it. This is the first time I watched all of it from beginning to end. I loved it. Uh, loved it. I don't know who had the licensing rights for replays on this thing, but they screwed that deal up left, right, and center because it was on every channel all mm-hmm. the time for like 10 years in a row. That thing was everywhere. It's just a hell of a film. It's, I, I can't wait. Yeah. We're going to talk all about it. That's what the backtrack is all about. Before we get to that, though, very quickly, it's time for some good business, and that is some fourth listener email. This time around, our fourth listener is Joshua. Dropped us a line in our inbox. The subject line of his email is synchronicity, appropriately ah, enough. Yeah. Okay. Joshua says, oh, man, you guys are killing me with the deep dives in the podcast. <laughs> Hopefully in a good way. <laughs> I think so. He says, first I had to go back and watch Tron. Thank you, Disney Plus. All right. <laughs> then I had to download Synchronicity and go back down the police rabbit hole. <laughs> ah. Thank you for bringing me back to some of my roots. Mm. Nice. You're very welcome. Okay. Very welcome. Yeah, we love it. Uh, he says, as an idea for another topic, you could always go a little newer in the music field and talk about the last great music of Gen X, grunge. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that may be, uh, that's a little too new for us, I think. <laughs> as, as the youngest of all of us, George is the first to win when he hears about grunge. <laughs> yeah, I mean... 
<laughs> I'll say there were some songs of that genre that I enjoy. That's mm-hmm. as far as I can no, go. That's very magnanimous and very guarded yes. statement that you made there. Very good. <laughs> well, there's certainly, I mean, Nirvana was uh, iconic mm-hmm. of, of the era and they were, they were, they were probably the epitome of grunge, right? Sure. I, I think, I don't, I don't know much about grunge. I mean, I'm guessing. Yeah. I think they were. <laughs> they were the ones that everybody always talked about that I heard in my pop Me music too. circles, mm-hmm. I guess. Well, them and Pearl Jam, right? We heard about them a lot too, didn't we? Oh, I heard the name. Okay. I couldn't tell you a Pearl Jam song though. No, no. I, I'm telling you, I'm woefully uninformed <laughs> when it comes to music. If it wasn't top forty, I so probably it sounds didn't like hear. a podcast we're not going to do. <laughs> well, looks like you just heard the grunge backtrack, and that was it. <laughs> We've exhausted our knowledge of that. <laughs> hey, we'll put it on the list. Maybe we'll get more informed, and we'll do it in the future. But we appreciate the suggestion, and we appreciate that you took the time to write in, Joshua. We love it every time that someone does. He signs off his email, waiting for the next podcast, Joshua. Uh, nice. Well, you didn't have long to wait. We're recording it right now. <laughs> Thank you so much for writing in. As I said, we love it every time a fourth listener does write in. If you'd like your email featured here on the show, it is drop dead easy. Just hit us up at podcast at genxgrownup.com. Read every single one, and most of them, just like Joshua's, will eventually make the show. All right. It is time to step up to the plate and talk some Major League right after this. In a world infatuated with comic fandom comes a show to help us remember the talents that have inspired us. Whoa, 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 cut. Oh, come on. It wasn't that bad. It's a bit dramatic. Let's just tell them about the show, guys. We are the Canned Air Podcast. Join us weekly for a comedic trip through pop culture. We also welcome some cool comic creators, as well as some of the voice and screen actors that help shape your childhood. Find us on cannedairpodcast.com and on the Evergreen Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to or follow Gen X Grown Up wherever you listen. And while you're there, rate and review the show, too. It helps more than you know. Harry Doyle here welcoming all of you to another season of Indians baseball. Here's a list of players we'll be inviting to camp. This guy here is dead. Cross him off, then. We'd love for you to come to spring training for a shot at this year's club. By the way, you were with me last night. Who's this chick on top of me? We'd still like to take a look at you in our spring camp. Not sure I can make it by then. Who is that? Serrano. What's his religion? Voodoo. Say hey! Willie Mays Hayes here. Play like Mays, and I run like Hayes. How you doing? What the hell league you been playing in? California Penal. Don't you have any proven Major League talent? Now I want to put together a team that'll help us relocate to Miami. You want us to lose? We've been losing. What I want is for us to finish dead last. I did a terrible job at the beginning of the show hiding my excitement for this movie. <laughs> despite I, I, I'm sad that I didn't watch it in its entirety before. There were pieces of it that were really cool. You know, I see Sheen in the glasses and I'm like, oh, I remember seeing that somewhere. But the context <laughs> right. was lost on me. And now, like, I, I love, love, love this movie. In case you are like me and aren't familiar with the film, <laughs> a brief synopsis. Rachel Phelps is the new owner of the Cleveland Indians baseball team. However, her plans for the team are rather nefarious. She wants to move the team to Miami for a warmer climate, new stadium, all kinds of perks that she's going to get access 
this to a country mm. club, all this great stuff. Not mm-hmm. Cleveland. No, yeah. not Cleveland. <laughs> Most important thing, right? We don't draw mm, dick. Yeah. The weather's lousy. And Sasha <laughs> is going to have to eat real dog food. <laughs> yeah. To justify the move, the team has to lose and lose badly. So she assembles the worst possible team she can in an effort to make sure that they finish dead last and lock in her ability to relocate the team mm-hmm. to Miami. And great premise. As soon as you see it, you know what's going to happen. This movie must have written itself, but I'm taking nothing from the writer. It's just you know that things are going to go awry and this team's going to have their own little, they're going to hype it up and they're going to mm-hmm. find a way to win. But before we get into the plot, nothing really happens in Hollywood without the money behind it. George, you're our money man. Mm. Talk a little bit about how this movie got started and how it did. Uh, it was it was kind of an unusual fit. It, so they decided that they would give it an $11 million budget and they came in on budget. So $11 million yeah, okay. for arguably three pretty well-known actors of the day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's pretty solid. That's a good budget. And they also had several other people who were up and coming. So you had Tom Berenger and Charlie Sheen and Corbin mm-hmm. Burnson were the three leads. Mm-hmm. Wesley Snipes, who arguably steals most of the movie with some of his stuff, he's mm-hmm. like seventh or eighth down on the credits list. Yeah, <laughs> crazy. Man, he was young. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right? he was young. He, he certainly wasn't hitting lead off. There you go, John. There's mm-hmm. another. Hey, hey another Ooh, baseball hey. thing. <laughs> Sports. <laughs> Sports. Uh, 11 million budget. It made 75 million worldwide, okay. which so maybe, mm, as money. people know and maybe want to forget, it automatically meant that there was going to be a sequel. We're not going to talk about that in this podcast. <laughs> no. um, there was a lot right and wrong with that decision. But the odd thing was uh, Ward, David S. Ward, who's the writer and director of this film. And he's known for sports films. He did the program. If you remember that James Conn football uh, mm, thing. Okay. Yeah. Football. He yep. did other movies like that as well. He said he began writing this story in 1984. So a full five years before they made it and released mm-hmm. it. Yeah. So I mean, is that unusual? You think? I don't know that much. I mean, well, a screenplay, it, you know, it's a movie. I don't know. Maybe he had it written pretty quickly, at least his first draft, but he sat on it for a while. He just okay. didn't show it to anybody. And he, at that time, uh, one of the things that studios were telling him was, oh, nobody wants to see a baseball movie. They can watch baseball on TV for free. That seems short-sighted. So, it, well. <laughs> so that goes against know, every sports movie ever right, made. Right, exactly. I, Even before this. That's weird. Okay. I think it was because it was a comedy sports movie. That maybe wasn't as frequent in eighty in the 80s. I mean. Okay. Sure. That's that, It's just a guess. <laughs> I, I'm not it. in their head, but you know. <laughs> what really got it greenlit was the company that ended up picking it up and deciding to produce it, mm-hmm. the, Morgan Creek. They oh, decided yeah, yeah. it would be a good idea to put Tom Berenger and Charlie Sheen back together again because they've been so successful in Platoon. Oh, wow. I that's thought a of very that. different. Yeah, that's a very right. different. <laughs> style of movie. No kidding. <laughs> Absolutely is. Yeah. But they yeah. like those two actors. They like their camaraderie and chemistry on the screen. And that's what got the studios to go ahead and produce it. So, you know, okay. now that you mentioned that, they did have some good scenes together on screen mm-hmm. that that probably came right out of that. You know, Morgan Creek probably said, I want those two guys on screen a few times because we like their chemistry. Yeah, sure. I could see that. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I'd seen in one of the things we were looking at that this is all about Cleveland. Like, this is a love letter mm-hmm. to Cleveland and to the Indians oh, yeah. and people who are lifelong fans. But it wasn't even shot in Cleveland. <laughs> no, no. It was shot in Milwaukee. Yeah. And the reason why they had to move to Milwaukee was... Cleveland is not just a baseball town. It's also mm-hmm. a football town. Okay. Big yeah. football town. Big right? football town. Yeah. Right. And 
the two teams were sharing the stadium at the time. And when they wanted to shoot the baseball movie, it was mm-hmm. football season. So the football lines were all on the oh. field. Would it cost a lot of money to dig up the field, repaint, do all that yeah. kind of work. That and apparently the union would have cost them an extra $1 million to shoot in <laughs> Cleveland Pass. over Milwaukee. <laughs> wow. All right. Considering they only had an $11 million budget, that's, you know, 10, almost yeah. 10% of your budget. That They said, no, we'll go to Milwaukee. We'll go out every night and drink beer, which they did. That's yeah. in yeah, like every they interview did, yeah. they talk about mm-hmm. going and drinking beer all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> and they had a great time. Whatever's yeah. memorable. <laughs> For me, being a baseball fan, mm-hmm. the stadium was so obviously not not Cleveland Stadium. Oh, really? I was a little disappointed in that. Like, it's kind of like if they had said, yeah, we're the Chicago Cubs. And instead of it Wrigley, they had put it in the Boston Red Sox with the Green Monster. Mm. I guess they're figuring most people like me would have no idea what the stadium looked like. It's (laughs) a ball field. I didn't know. Right. And apparently also the the field they used in Milwaukee was the old baseball field too. So apparently it was like readily available. So they had like Mm -hmm. no commitments in it. So it Uh, made it a lot easier. Yeah. 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 Made it a lot cheaper. And they had a lot of interesting stuff that they did with that stadium. One of the interviews that I was reading was talking about how they got extras. Those last parts of the movie where they're in the big championship games mm-hmm, and the tiebreakers mm-hmm, and everything, mm-hmm. those were the first scenes in the movie that were shot because <laughs> they got tons of extras coming out for those, but they didn't feed them. Everybody who wanted to eat while they were there had to pay for their own food. And so <laughs> well, they as they kept shooting dollars. day after day, they had fewer and fewer people not coming people back. Showing up. So that's, <laughs> so, that's why the early scenes were shot last in the script and you only have like 500 people in the stands. Because they, they knew they were going to lose people that would not want to yep. come back. <laughs> yep. No. <laughs> Oh, uh, man. Charlie Sheen, believe it or not, he was actually a pretty solid baseball player before this movie ever oh, came about. He was a pitcher, and oh, he good. went to a couple of training camps and stuff. He realized very early on, though, with the talent he saw around him, I'm mm-hmm. not going to be able to do this professionally. Let me go get mm-hmm. a job where I can just stand in front of a camera like my dad. That's why he became an actor. <laughs> but he took steroids while they were making this movie. Really? I mean, I know, Charlie Sheen and drugs. Oh, my God. Right. But That's a real shocker. <laughs> he got his fastball up to 85 miles an hour that's pretty respectable Mm -hmm. that's extremely respectable there are major league pitchers who that's what they throw now granted that's their curve or their change up wow 85 miles an hour is impressive but Mm -hmm. it doesn't quite look like a 99 mile an hour (laughs) fastball which is what Mm -hmm. wild thing rick vaughn is supposed to be able to throw in order to make it look that way on film david ward he took the home plate and moved it up 10 feet that'll do it (laughs) oh man (laughs) that thing is coming in hot practical effects (laughs) yeah but that's why it's really great because it's one of those it's one of the few sports movies where the actor is actually doing the activity the throwing Mm -hmm. of the ball because there's several baseball movies that came out just shortly after this where they did digital effects for the baseball pitching Mm -hmm. or they had a different guy and they shot him from behind when they were doing the pitching that kind of stuff charlie sheen did everything himself he talked about in several of the interviews that he had a problem on days when he would have to throw 
in the film because he had a lot of women coming in to see him for the show while he was on set. Poor guy. And he was too sore and tired on the days he had to throw to entertain them. Oh, oh my God. Man. Oh, well, geez. I noticed that when I'm watching the movie, I wonder, I noticed everybody seems to be athletic and seems to be known. Mm -hmm. They seem to know what they're doing. You know, they're, mm -hmm. they're, they're swinging the bats and they're stepping up to place. Again, I'm not a regular baseball watcher, but I didn't look anybody in the film and go, that guy doesn't know how to play baseball. They right. seem to know what they were doing by and large. And mm -hmm. is that true of someone who knows sports, especially like, you know, bald, they appear to somewhat be pro-am? They, they <laughs> did. I mean, they took out some of the stuff that a person who's been in a locker room on a baseball field would expect to see in a regular mm -hmm. situation. But it wasn't really germane to the movie or the story. So I totally get it. Like, there's an old superstition that almost every baseball player I know has. If you're walking out onto the field, you have the foul lines that come out from home plate out to mm -hmm. the outfield, right? Okay. One on the left, one on the right. Mm -hmm. If you're walking onto the field, you're not allowed to step on those lines. That's a superstition. You have to step over the line. If you step oh. on the line, you're going to go in okay. a hole on a slump or you're going to lose a whole bunch of games. It's a horrible <laughs> thing to do. If, if you see a teammate stepping on a line, he gets pummeled in the locker room shortly thereafter. <laughs> wow. One thing Jeez. that was kind of interesting, though, was we talked about Charlie Sheen's athleticism. Corbin Burnson had been a ball player for a while. Mm -hmm. That's why he was oh, a natural right. fit for it. The two who actually were not athletically gifted at all, Tom Berenger, who it's kind of easy to see, like in that last scene when he's running down the baseline to beat out mm -hmm. the bunt. Right, right. But he's supposed to play an older, hurting person anyway. And his knees yeah. are supposed to hurt, right? So Yeah, it kind of fits. Yeah. Right. But Willie Mays Hayes, so I love that. Wesley Snipes, Snipes yeah. he can't run for shit, apparently. That's why every one of his scenes is filmed in slow motion to make him appear to be faster <laughs> awesome. than he really is. He's supposed to be the That's fastest awesome. guy there, yeah. right? Yep. Like, even in the thing where they had, they, he showed up and he wasn't supposed to be there in the beginning, and then he woke right. up and he ran barefoot <laughs> yeah. past two guys in a sprint and passed them both. They were just jogging. And you <laughs> notice, like, as he comes around the corner, like, there's the two guys running up the line on the 40, mm -hmm. and as mm -hmm. he comes around the corner to go in between them, right as he gets level with the camera slow-mo right and then it's just six million dollar man but you talk about some talent though on there i was reading that um the guy who paid uh pedro serrano uh dennis mm -hmm. haysbert mm -hmm. actually hit home runs he did he was hitting home runs he actually there. the shot in the uh, final scene where yeah. he hits the two run to tie it Mm -hmm. That's a first shot home run. He hit that on the first take. He actually hit mm. it. Wow. Yeah, 352 yeah. feet, I think yeah. they said. So he, he was a ball player too, I guess, at some point also. Apparently. If he's not, he yeah. should have been. <laughs> the, the one fact I found, though, which I thought was hilarious, is that Ward, the guy who wrote and directed this, mm -hmm. he wrote this because he's a lifelong Indians fan. And he said that yep. the only way his team's going to win is he writes it into a movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, uh, so part of me is like, poor guy. And part of me is like, that's a fan. Like, a fan. I'm going to find yes. a way to see my Indians win if I yep. have to fake it in a movie. <laughs> it's why the movie starts out with those newspaper clippings. And you have the one where the Indians uh, lose in the 1954 mm -hmm. division series. Mm -hmm. And then they go on this historic run. His father and he, that was the first game that he watched where he had oh, a memory really? as a child saying, oh, oh sports are important. 
They're important to people. And my father was devastated for years after mm. this because they just kept losing after that. Wow. And that was mm. part of the reason why I wrote this movie. So many of those headlines were actually like legit headlines. Were the well, Indians really that bad? Were they really that terrible? Oh, really? Yes. Oh, they were awful. <laughs> Up until the late 90s, really. Oh, okay. Yeah. Dang. I had no idea. Yeah. Uh, we've touched on some of the amazing talent in this movie, but we're going to, and we get back from the break, we're going to go a little deeper into each of the most notable, yeah. <laughs> the most notable people in this film that just makes me laugh looking ahead to see what we're <laughs> going to talk about. Stick around, be right back. You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes, and luckily, that's how long it takes me to tell a story. My name is Aaron Califato, and I'm the creator of Seven Minute Stories. I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts. And I'd like to invite you to join me on this journey. I'm going to take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style. And together, we're going to try to make sense of the world, all through the art of storytelling and all in approximately seven minutes. You're listening to Gen X Grown Up. But if you have a friend who's not yet listening, why not? Tell them about us. They'll thank you later. Hello, you know us. We're a Major League Baseball team. But since we haven't won a pennant in over 30 years, nobody recognizes us, not even in our own hometown. That's why we carry the American Express card. No matter how far out of first we are, it's cool. You know, it keeps us from getting shut out at our favorite hotels and restaurant-type places. So if you're looking for some big league clock, apply for that little green home run heater. Look what it's done for us. People still don't recognize us, but we're contenders now. The American Express card. Don't steal home without it. So we already spent a lot of time talking about David Ward. I mean, writer, director, mm. love mm. Indians, you know, all that stuff. Right. But really, Basically was... the engine of this movie. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. They had so much freaking talent in this movie, though. Um, some they didn't know, some they did. Like some established, mm -hmm. like, I mean, Tom Berenger, let's start with him. I mean, he, obviously the big sure. lead in this movie, you know, yep. played Jake Taylor. Past his prime, catch your bad knees, hurting. <laughs> Let me tell you, I felt for him watching him in this. Like, he looked like he was hurting. <laughs> he really did. And, you know, he's coming off of movies like we talked about before, like Platoon. He also mm -hmm. had done Eddie and the Cruisers just before this. So he's coming off of some really different roles, not the Jake Taylor catcher guy trying to get back to his life. That's what I loved about this film. It's really a Jake Taylor story. Yes, it's the Cleveland yes. Indians trying mm -hmm. to make good, but it's mm -hmm. a Jake Taylor trying yeah. to put his life back together story. Oh, for yeah, me. for sure. It is. Yeah. As, as I'm watching this, too, I, I enjoyed the shenanigans and the stuff going on in the mm -hmm. locker room and all that so much that I know this is an 80s movie and it has to have this little corny love interest story. But I found the love interest part with Rene Russo that we'll talk about in a second. I found it distracting, like it was unnecessary. Go back to the shenanigans. It wasn't very good. It was put in for exactly <laughs> the reasons you say. Mm -hmm. And it was her first film acting role ever. She was had really? been a model before this. Yeah, wow. this was her first one. They brought her in and she was kind of like the like the Cindy Crawford of her day. She was a top level model for years. And really, they brought her in for this. And the scene that scared her the most was that library scene. Apparently where they have to do like it's probably like 10 pages worth of dialogue between mm -hmm. her and Mariger. Right. And where, they're walking you know, around trying to talk. Yeah. About right. They're walking around and it's all this, you know, long dialogue. They shot that scene. It took them like eight hours that day just for that Yikes. scene. And at the mm -hmm. end of it, Behringer said she was crying on set. 
Oh, Ugh, too much stress. Oh, bless her heart. Yeah. You know, yeah. I saw several parts of that scene that were clearly overdubbed, and I wondered what was sure. the deal. Like, maybe it was my bad mic, or the mic wasn't in the right place, or there was <laughs> echo or whatever. Maybe it was just she was having trouble. Yeah. I mean, she became, she became, she was already good in this film, I think. She became an amazing actress beyond this. I didn't realize her, yeah. she was that new. <laughs> yeah, really? Yeah, I didn't know that either. Well, apparently no. there was a scene at the end that they cut, which was them getting married. Yes. Oh. So they probably realized what you kind of said, John, that, oh, okay, I think we kind of did a little too much of this. Let's just let them, right. let them end on the win and move Winning on. the game is the movie. That's the ending yeah. of the movie. Why would you then... Look, they got a little kiss on the, on the side of the field. Yeah, That's yeah, fine. Yeah. That's enough. That's a celebration. You know, why would you leave that? That's, yeah, I'm glad they didn't do that. You know, I've watched that movie so many times, that scene where she comes out of those stands. Mm -hmm. To this day, it still bothers me. There is a really big fat guy who's an extra in a gray t-shirt okay <laughs> behringer first looks at her he runs out of the stands onto the field yay 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 mm -hmm. and then they cut to behringer and then they cut back to her and he's walking up to her and the same fucking guy runs out behind her like he went back to the stands <laughs> and then ran back up i've hated that since 1989 it has bothered me so it's a continuity problem well, that's all i'm gonna see every time i see that now so right? thank you yeah. thank you for you that you just wrecked it just when i said i like this I movie know. now you're running for me <laughs> All right, well, let's talk about Charlie Sheen then. Ricky oh, thank Vaughan. God we got to my favorite part of this movie. <laughs> is he the best part? I love Charlie Sheen in this. He is awesome. So he comes from the California <sighs> Penal Leagues. <laughs> <laughs> this is just going to be a podcast of me laughing. I love this movie. Go ahead. You know what the thing he hated about the movie the most for years and he no. actually got in a fight about? Mm -mm. The haircut. Oh, I heard about what? that. Yeah. I thought it was cool. He got in a bar fight over the haircut because people <laughs> were making fun of him about it. And he hated having that haircut. He used to complain to Ward on set every day, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought the haircut was perfect. He had the spiky hair and he had this zigzag haircut thing. Mm -hmm. It's the kind of goofy thing you would probably get in prison, right? Because you're looking for a way. Look, all you have is, you know, prison orange or whatever. Express yourself with your hair or whatever. And he was such like this... Look, his character is illustrated by the fact that he has an amazing talent, but he's so vain that he doesn't want to get glasses because that's what he needs to make him good. In reality, in the world of this film, he's an amazing pitcher. The only reason he had no control over his fastball that they fix, like by the end of the second act, is because he didn't, he needed glasses. Poor guy was damn yeah, near right. blind. Yeah. And they got him the worst looking glasses they could find. Yeah. These big that's orange. That's fair, right? <laughs> The important thing is that you can see. Oh, I don't think it's that important. I don't think it's that important. <laughs> oh, it's not that important. Best, yeah. Every line in this movie is an awesome one-liner that just it's it's one of those movies kind of like The Princess Bride for me. Like mm, yeah. all the dialogue almost yeah. in not every bit of it in this movie, less so than Princess Bride, but a lot of the one-liners in this movie are just so memorable. Yeah. And when he walks out on the field at the in, in mm. the in, like he's 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 uh what do you a pin hitter or whatever like they replace the, relief, the, the, relief the older pitcher. relief pitcher yeah relief pitcher well, whatever yeah. that's a hitter pitcher see sports yeah, I, was, I was like I relief was trying to pitcher. figure out who you were going to be talking about there I'm like is he going to the Wesley Snipes scene uh, in no, 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 two? Yeah. what are we doing just, just the scene where he comes out and everybody loves him like everybody in the world has this wild thing I think I love you but I have to know for sure yeah. t-shirts and the song plays and he walks out like I felt 
I felt the thing that I want to feel in sports movies, which is this poor bastard is now (laughs) beloved because he found his niche. He found his people. He found it was amazing. Like I could feel look, if Charlie Sheen didn't have goosebumps, I had enough for him. Like it was amazing part. Could you say he found his tribe? Ooh, Ooh, nice. (laughs) Nice. Well done. Wow. (laughs) Yes. Well played, sir. Okay. (laughs) You talk about the wild thing and coming out to the music. Interesting fact. Baseball never did that before this movie but really? then there right? was a relief pitcher who took on the nickname wild thing himself <laughs> of he did. and brought out to that song and then all relief pitchers in the major league started doing that after this movie and charlie sheen to this day still hates that guy for not giving him credit for originating that in yeah. the movie yeah it should have it was amazing it was amazing yeah. yeah but you know i mean you can't go on without talking about wesley snipes i mean young oh. young mm. young willie mays hayes willie, what a name to start with willie mays hayes play <laughs> like mays run like hayes <laughs> and he basically just tried to like sneak onto the team yeah he just showed yeah. up full of like bluster and ego and hey how you doing everybody hey how you doing, Willie? Hey, how you doing? Hey, yeah. how you doing? in a pimped My out man. vw bug with big rims right. on it like this is amazing <laughs> <laughs> and the suit with the little hanky as he was going driving yeah. away he's Wonderful. waving the little hanky at him yeah. <laughs> yep. but I love the part where they like you know they catch him because everyone's like who the hell is this guy and they just take yeah. the bed and move it outside <laughs> <laughs> just take it outside the, the introduction scenes in the clubhouse at spring training when they're Wonderful. all coming together and they meet each person Charlie Sheen and Wesley Snipes are getting together and he's like where have you been playing California penal oh yeah. how'd you wind up there stole a Cadillac <laughs> <laughs> like, oh. he turns around he's like okay yeah it was cool seeing Wesley Snipes in this role because I'm very much accustomed to him being, well, certainly in the 90s and 2000s, Tougher. Like, he yeah. was a prestige actor. He was serious oh, yeah. dramas. Much more of an action star. Yeah. 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 And this, he was like, this could have been, he could have been in a, a police academy movie for all I care at this point. He was in a, he's a great comedic actor. I had no idea. I've never seen yeah. him do that. You, well, I mean, you say that, but he's been in three fairly well-received sports films in all three of the major sports genres. Major League for baseball. Okay. He was in Wildcats for football, the Goldie Hawn movie. Okay. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, wow. he was yeah, in White Man one. Can't Jump with, with baseball. With, with, right. But this is the only one that was basketball. a comedy, though, right? Basketball. Yes. Basketball. Yeah. Yes. No, they were all three pretty much comedies. comedies. Yeah. Okay. They all had comedy elements, certainly. Oh, Wildcats I, was absolutely a comedy. Okay. Yeah. Another sports movie I haven't seen. Sorry, I didn't know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that one you can be forgiven for. That's not a great can movie. Can I? Okay. But, yeah. I, yeah. I, I loved him in this. I think he. I think he's great in this. And I. Just, it's a whole new level of appreciation. Like, I always thought of Wesley Snipes one way. And then when you see him in this, or I see him in this for the first time, kind of really loosened up and being funny yeah. and, and, and doing mm-hmm. physical comedy, too. I just yeah. loved it. I loved yeah, it. Dropping one-liners, yeah. you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Constantly. Now, he's not the third man on the poster, though. Oh, no. I know. Leslie that's amazing. Snipes comes away that, you know, in the movie, he really kind of is the third man of the team because mm-hmm. it's he and Charlie Sheen and Tom Berenger together in a lot of scenes. Yeah. But Corbin Burnson was the third star right. on the poster. What show was he? He was a L.A. Law? Was that him? L.A. Law. Yeah. That's yep. right. Yeah. He was a backup entity from the Q continuum in Star Trek The Next Generation at one point, too. That's right. Oh, yeah. Really? Just, There's a deep that. cut in Star Trek for you. <laughs> that's a deep yeah. cut. <laughs> like they were coming, they were going to fire Q or kill him or something. And he showed, anyway, he was, that's yeah. irrelevant to this movie, I know. <laughs> <laughs> at least you got to say something, though, because it's <laughs> something I know, it's something you know authoritatively. <laughs> yes, that's right. 
But in this, he's like a prima donna. He, he's oh, only yeah, there. He like he, he thinks he's this franchise player that the, the rules don't apply to and he does whatever mm-hmm. he wants to do. And beautifully, it's not even the management. It's the team that's not having it that lay into him, yeah. mm-hmm. which I like about it. And that's what bonds this the team in this show together is that they all care way more than the owner does about actually winning first for themselves right. and then later to stick it to the manager, actually. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. They do a lot of stuff in this movie with the relationships. And that's what yeah. I think makes a good yeah. sports movie, because if you've ever been on a sports team, it's really those relationships that make or break a team. Talent certainly is needed, but you can have a group of people who are arguably less talented than a team full of superstars. And that team can win. If you're not sure about that, just go take a look at the, what was it? The 88 NBA all-stars who went to the Olympics and mm-hmm. lost. Yeah. yeah. They, they were, they were the top players, arguably way more talented than anybody they faced, oh, yeah. but they couldn't win the gold medal because they couldn't play together. They were all stars. Right. Yeah. 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 And <laughs> Corbin Burton has some great scenes in this movie, but I think he kind of fades into the background against the other three. Yeah, I think that's I fair. Yeah, three that or four fair. or five. In fact, pro- or five. probably yeah. my second favorite after Charlie Sheen was Dennis Haysbert as this this yeah. like, oh my god he's this guy from cuba i think and he just yeah. arrived and he's he's super he's very very religious or like what's his religion voodoo voodoo states for religious freedom have to wake up bats yes i can't believe that that's the all-state guy right yeah now, and and the president from 24 that's right and I know. before all of that the bridge officer from buck rogers that's right See, nobody remembers so that much. one no no yeah the, the first season right yeah but the thing about haysbert again is one of those where like wesley snipes i only really know of him for serious and heavy roles mm-hmm yeah. And here, yeah. not only was he putting on a, a, an accent that he wasn't awesome at, but he, he was selling this character who I, I don't even, even know how to explain. He was just so bigger than life. I mean, at first he was a big guy, but he's he amazing. was the straight man for a lot of the jokes. He was That's what yeah. made his character yeah. pop off the screen. I mean, because everything his character said, his character believed wholeheartedly. Yeah. Right. Like right. when he's walking through that clubhouse scene when they're in Arizona for spring training, and he takes Corbin Burnson's little golf hat things yeah. and he puts it on his bat and he's like hats for bats hats for bats Keep <laughs> yeah. gracias and, and then in, the, in the final game he's got <laughs> the hat he's got the thing on his bat yeah. in the final game too yes he does it's always there Is it? i didn't notice it until then really yeah. Yeah. he just kept it <laughs> he, just, he kept it he would just that's like corbin was like whoa whoa wait oh never mind you're gonna kick my ass I'm just going <laughs> yeah but what did i say about him though i mean he looked like a major league big hitter i mean the bill he was, he was strong yeah, yeah. right yeah. I mean, he looked yep. like a big he made the character even more believable so i thought he did great yeah. he did and all the little scenes where he's he's doing he's he has a little uh like a shrine in his locker yeah, he's doing locker. stuff and then the like the uh the older pitcher who thinks it's all garbage and as soon as he steals whiskey or something steals from the idol rum. Sees his rum. rum and he walks out and gets hit in the head with the bat accidentally is like from then on he's sold right he's he believes yeah. in it Two from of then my on. favorite lines that that character gets to say as he's taking the rum, up your butt, Joe Boo. <laughs> and he's as he's walking the field, they do an overdub because he didn't say it in the scene. He's like, yo, bartender, Joe Boo needs a refill. And then he gets clocked that. with yeah. the bat. Right. <laughs> I know this movie way too well. He, he just brags it and as soon as like instant karma, he gets whacked in the head as yep. soon as he walks out the door. <laughs> 
you know, it's probably important that we talk a little bit about the villain character mm -hmm. in the movie. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Rachel Phelps, the owner yeah. of the Cleveland Indians, because her husband died. She was a ex Las Vegas showgirl stripper mm -hmm. thing. <laughs> uh, Margaret Witten is the actress who played her. Now you guys may not know a lot about her because yeah. she, it's not like she mm. had this long storied career, but there's one movie that I think maybe both of you have seen that you might remember her from. Okay. She was the auntie in Secret of My Success, the Michael J. Fox film. Oh, hmm. okay. Oh, that's I right. would never have made that connection on my own. All right. Yep, that's her. Auntie Vera. Yep. So the one who swam all the laps. Swam all the laps, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Right? And she kept hitting I might on pay Michael J. Fox. That scene. I'm not sure, but yeah. It's it's not a completely dissimilar character, so I see yeah. why they cast her mm -hmm, in mm -hmm, this movie. Mm -hmm. She plays the role to the hilt. Matter of fact, the character that I feel the most sad for in the movie is the man who used to be the manager but becomes the GM. The GM, right? Because right. she's always making him like the bad guy, right? You better not cheer. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> sit right. down, Charlie. He yeah. loves his team. He he knows yeah. what her he agenda does. is, but he still wants his team to win. And he's secretly loving yeah. it every time they do well. And she's overtly doing more. Well, maybe they're too comfortable. Yeah. You know, put them on this plane. Screw that. Put them on a bus. You know, no food, <laughs> right. no hot water, all the things you can do to them. And actually, it's that kind of malicious behavior that she has that fuels their fury to win as soon as they, you know, they find mm -hmm. out yeah. what she's up to, which that's the thing I love about good sports movies. And this is definitely one of them. It's that overcoming adversity. It can be the team who's an mm -hmm. adversary. It's obstacles as an adversary. It can be your upbringing, like a bad news bears kind of, you know, overcoming that kind of thing. And that teamwork, when you all come together and you're all, you're all screw ups, you're all have your own problems, right. but together in that moment, you're a unit and you're doing it for each other. I don't think it's going to be any better symbolized than in that final scene where Bernson's character, Corbin Bernson's character knows that Ricky Vaughn slept with his wife, mm -hmm. but yep. he walks out and just says like, you, it's about to be a fight and they're ready for a fight. Yep. And he goes, strike this motherfucker out. Right. right. And then I'm like, oh, he didn't know yet. He didn't know yet. No, after oh, the no. game, he punches him. But in the yeah. game, yeah. the most important thing is that team and that the, the rally It is just beautiful in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. They all bonded over that that evil mm -hmm. rosebud yeah. situation of the owner. Yeah. The, the best part though is like for her, I think, I mean, one of her, my favorite scenes of her is at the very end when they're singing the whole wild thing song and then he focuses mm -hmm. on her I and she's like, I hate this song. fucking song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Cause you know that that's like an F you to her every right. time they play well, it. And the know? GM is it's like, the <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. When they, when they tie the game up, right. Yeah. So that scene mode that you like yeah. so much, they carry that joke into the second movie. Oh, oh really? Oh, yeah. Because yeah. that that song gets used in the second Again. movie because the second movie is really more of a Ricky Vaughn story. Oh, good. And they use that one on her, and she hates it. Mm. Now, we have to talk about James Gammon, who played Lou, the coach. Oh, He's yeah. He's not a big Lou star. Brown. He, yeah, he was. He was has been in a ton of stuff, but that casting of him was spot amazing. On. Amazing. It looks like he walked out of a western. Probably the third <laughs> best coach yeah. in any sports movie in history. <laughs> he was maybe. Good. Maybe tied for second. So, number one, you probably got to give it to Gene Hackman for Hoosiers. Of Best course. coach in yeah. a sports okay. yeah, Maybe. Number two, I think it's between Kurt Russell and Miracle and James Gammon in Major League. Hmm. Yeah, I'd go with Kurt okay. Russell probably, I but I, I see where you're going. Yeah. I can see some debate yeah. there, but I can see where you're going with yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> two, three. Only because I think James Gammon plays an accurate role of a broken down, long tenured coach. Mm hmm. 
but does it with comedic effect that's so subtle yep. that there's the scene where they first offer him the job oh, yeah. oh and he's my God. at his tire shop <laughs> <I love that. laughs> and he's like, how would you like to coach for the Indians next year? I don't know. Charlie, let me call you later. I got a guy on the other line about some white walls. <laughs> <laughs> it's so low on his priority list. That's it. He's like, all right, I guess I'll do it. And he also delivers all of that. Like he takes no crap from anybody, mm -hmm. but he's not in your face and yelling at you either. He's, you know, like I remember is like, every time you pop one up, you owe me 20 push-ups. And there was no yep. question. Everybody and knew he, he meant it, it. Right. Nobody doubted it. In fact, he did right. it himself because he commanded that kind of respect. He was like a quiet leader, which I liked about right. him. Yeah. Best little scene of that kind of a thing is Corbin Burnson saying, I got it right here in my contract. I don't have to do calisthenics. What do you think about that? He throws the contract yeah. in his chest. He drops it on the ground, pulls out his penis and starts peeing on the contract right yeah. there. Then zips up, never says a word. Nope. Just walks That's right it. off the That's field. what I think about it. There you go. <laughs> well, I want to talk about my favorite character in the movie. Okay. And it's not only because he's a character, but this is really who the actor is in real life or mm -hmm. was. Bob Euchre is Harry Doyle, the booth oh, announcer yeah, yeah. and commentator for yeah. the Indians. Baseball royalty, right? Basically. he's Yeah, he was a famous catcher. So he's already in mm -hmm. my heart. Number two, he was already the announcer for the Milwaukee Brewers at the time. Oh, really? That's something they didn't even realize when they cast yeah, I heard him. That. I heard that they had no idea that he had, they got him because of the uh, the commercial, the Bud Light com or the the exactly. Budweiser commercials mm -hmm. or whatever. I must be in the front row. You know, <laughs> he missed the tag. He missed the tag. Yeah, I still. But all of the lines that he does in this film, this is the part that people, some know and some don't, mm -hmm. like 60% of his lines are completely ad-lib. They yeah. just said, mm, "Wonderful." here's the situation, say whatever the hell you want. And he came <laughs> up with almost every single one of those iconic lines. Yeah. And hilarious too, great effect. Yeah. Mm. And even him, like him trying to keep everyone excited when the game, like when they were horrible. <laughs> <You know? laughs> He's like... Just a little bit to the outside. You know, it's like six right. to the left. Yeah. I love the scene where, like, he's like, listen at this crowd, get behind them. He starts doing yeah. the loud noises with his color <laughs> commentator guy. the noises, right? <laughs> oh, I loved him in that, too. Now, we're getting into what, you know, we're dabbling in some of our favorite scenes. As mm. soon as we get back from this break, we're going to run through what are our favorite scenes, hands down, in this movie. So you don't want to miss that. Stick around. What was it like to be there for historical sports moments and unforgettable performances? To be behind the scenes? On PressBox Access, you'll hear from me, Todd Jones, and other sports writers about their experiences with the greatest athletes, coaches, and sports events of the past half century. We'll share some stories behind the stories, some big, some small, and some we've only told each other. Let us buy you around on PressBox Access. Each episode of Gen X Grown Up has show notes loaded with links where you can learn more about our topics. And there's even more to see and hear over at GenXGrownUp.com. Top of the sixth and rookie sensation Ricky Vaughn on the pitch now. You can close the book on Kelder. Thank God. Relax, Ricky. We're only four runs now. We're still in this game. You take it to him? Oh, all right. Look, man, guy gets a second, first sign indicator. Vaughn, a juvenile delinquent in the offseason in his Major League debut. Gonna light your ass up, meat. Vaughn into the windup in his first offering. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. 
So I want to talk about, again, what are our favorite scenes? And it's it's pretty <laughs> tough, admittedly. There's a lot of great oh, stuff yeah. in here. And we I actually mean, had you a... just say the movie, and that's it for yeah. me. Right? We, we had a longer list, but we already touched on a lot of them earlier because it's yeah, you can't talk it. about how great this movie <laughs> so is without that stuff. So, okay, beyond things we've already talked about, Mo, do you have, can you point to one of your favorite scenes or you know parts of the film? Yeah, I would say this is a part of the film, not necessarily a scene, okay? Okay. And that's okay. the three people, the loyal fans who dress up in the costumes, who are drumming and singing from oh. the very beginning. <laughs> because just seeing how like they're like basically kind of like the losers because they're out there. You know, and at the end, they're like the heroes. Like they're, they're the, the ones cheer that, squad. that they were going to do Everybody good. Everybody follows they them. the entire time. <laughs> Let's do the wave. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> they're the ones who came up with the Wild Thing song because right. remember he's making fun with of the with the song. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So they're great. I just like that whole, I mean, it kind of showed the progression of the team team through them right, right. it how did. they did so i mm-hmm. just love that that's good my favorite one of my favorite lines is those three guys they're sitting there when the new york yankees hit the home run off of yeah. vaughn oh. early on in the movie and he's like too high too high and then at the end he's like what the fuck do you mean what do you mean too high and two of them are arguing and the third guy is like who gives a shit it's gone <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Oh, man, that was great. How about you, John? What was one of yours? Well, you know, oddly, a similar vein, different scenes, but similar vein. This is something that shows the progression of the team mm-hmm. in the movie. I absolutely adore the two Japanese groundskeepers. Yes. Who, they're always <laughs> they're speaking in Japanese. And at the beginning, they're just talking about the team. They're shitty, is what the caption says. Yeah. So when right. you, you know, and then later, they're doing okay. Atsuka. You know, and they say, they're still <laughs> shitty. You know, and later. Right, right. And, and they get a little bit better throughout the movie. And I, I, I just think they again show, because they're they're insiders, right? Sure. They would bounce around, they would show these same people around town. Because at the beginning, you're like, who are these guys even? And you see them again later, and they go, Oh, they're not half bad as they kind of got better. But the groundskeepers, they work there. They're taking care of the stadium and they're not even bought in like other oh, shitty. They're terrible. Yeah. I hate these guys. Yeah. So I just think that's a cool part. It's funny that you mentioned that because I read the first script page. It's in one of the books that's out there on Google Books. Mm, you can okay. see the first actual page of the script that Ward wrote. That's cool. It's almost line for line with those scenes of the progression of the people around the city oh, before they yeah. get to those guys. Mm-hmm. Minus one, there's like a business guy who's a part of that group, but I guess it was too much and they wanted wanted just a three scene shot mm. so if you notice every time it's three people yep. it's the it's the guys the painter in the bar it's the longshoreman on the docks mm-hmm. and then it's your shitty japanese and then the japanese keepers. guys yep yep what about you george can you pick a scene that you is it's hard <laughs> I, I'm probably going to do the typical George thing and cheat and pick something that gives me multiple scenes. I'm going to say the Harry Doyle one-liners like I was talking They're about in great. the past segment. Oh, yeah. Every single one of those one-liners is gold. I mean, Mo, you mentioned, just a bit outside. Right the corner and miss. Right. But he doesn't stop there. They do this really fun little edit of that scene, ball four. Ball eight, ball 12. <laughs> he's low and away and he's walked the bases loaded on 12 straight pitches. Boy, how can guys lay off pitches that close? <laughs> like just trying to be so optimistic and, and paint them in right? a good light. You, know? you just reminded me my favorite line that he has. <laughs> he had to be, I can only imagine the guy who's playing the color commentator next to him was overwhelmed because Euchre mm-hmm. was going crazy. But yeah. he's going on, going and going and going and going and he stops and goes, what do you think? You have anything to say about it? And he goes, no. And he goes, 
goes, he's not the best color man in the business for nothing, folks. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he's basically, he's throwing him under the bus because he had nothing to say, and he's just yeah. acting like he's the best ever. I love that. I <laughs> I use a lot of the one-liners in regular, everyday situations. One of yeah. my favorites is like when you're at somewhere like uh, that's not well attended or something like that. There's mm-hmm. a line where he's on his radio show, TP Talk. And he's like, he's he's saying the Indians have managed to win a few and slowly climb out of cellar. But he says this one line in that segment where he goes, and judging by the attendance, you haven't, you know, he's saying that <laughs> you have noticed right. yep. or not. Yep, yep. I, and I, I use that, that judging by the attendance, you haven't noticed mm. kind of thing all the time. <laughs> yeah. he, a quote that nobody knows so you're quoting, many, but it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> like he's drunk off his ass in one of the games oh, right. <laughs> at the end, and he's like, the after show was sponsored by. Christ, I can't find it to hell with it. <laughs> yeah. You can't say it on the radio. Yeah, no one's listening anyway. No one's listening. Nobody's anyway. listening. Exactly. <laughs> oh, man, that was great. So I found that there was another ending of the movie that they took mm. out, and I'm glad they did because it would have been too bizarre. Well, we talked about the wedding. Is it not that? No, this, this is different. Oh, oh something I know else. Which one you're talking Where about? Where the now. owner, actually, mm-hmm. they said that the owner actually wanted them win, them to win the whole time, and she did that so she would be the enemy. It was like a reverse psychology right. ending, mm. was how she was going to come about to it. Which I was like, I wouldn't have bought that. I, no. I wouldn't have bought that. Yeah. I mean, maybe they would edit some other stuff in the middle. Yeah. She would have told someone. Yeah, but right? apparently that's, what, but they, they did like a test with people, and people was like, mm-hmm. no, I like not liking her. Just leave it at that. You know? <laughs> just yeah. Yeah. I mean, because I agree. If you try to do that at the end, it throws off the whole relationship with her and the GM, Charlie, because there's no reason to keep that from him. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, he would know. He's her confident throughout the film, except for the guys in the boardroom. I still, I can't stop doing one-liners for (laughs) they're in the boardroom. (laughs) She's first taking over the team. She hands out the list of the players and he's like, this one's dead. (laughs) Oh, well, cross him off then. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're a diehard Gen X grown-up, you can pledge your support by clicking join on YouTube or by becoming a patron at genxgrownup.com slash Patreon. Give me Vaughn. You want Vaughn? I know he hadn't done very well against this guy, but I got a hunch he's doomed. Good job. Fucking 
I really don't want to do this part of the podcast because <laughs> what it means under is under duress. <laughs> we're going to have to talk about the fact that there were films after Major oh, League in that no. franchise. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't want to call it a franchise because it really no. should just be a one film movie. I know. And Why couldn't they just be happy with one good movie? And Because oh, they uh, went from 11 to 70 some odd million. I know, but... That automatically makes a Major League 2, oh. which came out five years later in 1994. <sighs> it starred Charlie Sheen and Tom Berenger, but instead of Wesley Snipes... Omar Epps replaces yeah. him and becomes the new Willie Mays Hayes. Omar Epps is a fine actor. I like him. Mm -hmm, He's mm -hmm. a good guy, but it was uh, yeah, oh, really? just not good to do that. Oh, you're breaking my um, heart. And as soon as I saw this, I'm like, now I want to see the second one. No, is there no, anything no, no, redeeming no, no, no. in it? Yeah. Really? Just leave it alone. It's it's okay. Yeah, I saw it's a one. Charlie Sheen character movie instead of it being a Tom Berenger movie. Okay. Rene Russo is in it for exactly one scene of about a minute and a half max. Okay. James Gammon's character has a fake heart attack through in the halfway point of the movie so that Tom Berenger's character can become the head coach of the team mm. because he's no longer viable enough to be the catcher anymore. They've got other oh. guys in there to be the catcher. Because of his David knees. Keith actually played a really good heel in the movie mm. as the bad boy catcher. Mm. But yeah, okay. not really worth All it. Right. Right. However, that being said, it's a shit ton better than the third film in the franchise. Oh my God. Another one. Major League Back to the Minors. Oh and that's God. exactly where this fucking movie oh, belongs, no. is in the minors of theater. You mean the third movie is worse than the second movie? <laughs> Inconceivable. Um, oh my yeah. God. <laughs> so, no Tom Berenger, no Charlie Sheen, no Wesley Snipes or Omar Epps. Wow. But you do get Corbin Burnson. All right. Because his career was not doing awesome at this point. It was not. And you get Scott Bakula. <laughs> The man they bring in to every franchise to replace somebody of note, hmm. and then he ends up falling somehow, like with Star Trek Enterprise. Who is he playing in this one? So he plays the head coach of a team who he used to be a player. He gets at the end of the season, he's told he won't be a player anymore. And Corbin Burnson's character, who is now the GM of the Minnesota Twins somehow, Offers him a job to be head coach of the AAA team, The Buzz. The Buzz, okay. They end up bringing back Pedro Serrano and a couple of the other characters from the second movie that you guys probably don't know because right. you didn't see it. It's another one of these bring everybody <laughs> together to spite. In this case, do you guys remember the neighbor from Married with Children? Yes. Sure. Yeah. The guy? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. They kept changing I him. can't remember his name. Okay. He he was also in uh, Revenge of the Nerds yes. as the yeah. head alpha guy. Okay. Well, he's the head coach of the big league club, the Minnesota Twins. And so he's the jerk in the movie that they're fighting against. Oh, okay. They end up having the two teams, the minor league team and the major league team, have a match or a game against each other. So. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Very terrible. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> I'll just yeah, it's not good. I'll just have to enjoy David the one. David Ward did some other stuff, like I talked about. He did the Major League stuff. But he, after that, he did Sleepless in Seattle. Okay, good movie. So, oh. Solid movie. Yeah. Uh, he did The Program, which was the James Conn football, football movie, movie that I talked right. about earlier. Yep. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys know this one, but it's kind of one of my sleeper comedy faves that I don't like to admit to. But he also did Down Periscope, the Kelsey Grammer Navy. I know that film. Movie. Yeah. That yeah. was a David Ward yeah. joint as well, huh? That's David Ward. I'll be. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And he might not have got those opportunities had it not been for writing and directing this thing, right? So Yeah, this one definitely solidified his place in Hollywood. Now, he had done The Sting before. Yeah, oh, the writers on it. Oh. So The Sting is really what made his career. Gotcha. But 
certainly major league solidified him. I don't put you on the spot here, but was he, do you know, did he also direct like major league Two, back to the minors, things like that? Or was he out of it by then? No, he was an exec producer on uh, major league two. Okay. I don't think he was involved in three at all. Oh, okay. Yeah, just curious. Uh, I thought it was one of the writers for Major League Two. Well, so we'll talk about that for just a second, because okay. I don't want to talk about these films very much. <laughs> okay. Anytime you see a film <laughs> that has more than one writer or more than one editor, mm-hmm. and especially if it has both more than one writer mm-hmm. and more than one editor, you know it's going to be a fucked up it's film. It's been like through it. it. Yeah. That's what happened in this case. Uh, he wrote yeah. treatments, and so he got a credit, but oh, the it. final script, I think, was one of the other no-name people. Mm. So. Wow. Uh, he did, believe it or not, though, really want to go back to the well and wrote a Major League Four. Oh. But it's been in pre-production for about like 10 years. Yeah. Now, so oh, wow. I don't think it'll ever get made. Yeah, probably not happen, I would think. He's hoping to bring back a lot of those. I mean, you could bring back Dennis Haysbert. You could bring back all these people. I like this trend of going back to 80s movies and seeing those same characters the age they would be now. Sure. That would be neat. Right. To, now, they're not going to be star ball players anymore, but they could have roles. It would be hard to figure out how to bring them back in a cohesive story yeah. that's still about baseball. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. You can make one a trainer. You can make another one a manager. Mm. Maybe one's a batting coach. coach right. But eventually, you're going to run out it's of kind positions of a stretch. for them to be <laughs> yeah, a part that's of. that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I would watch a Major League Four. I mean, I think I'll skip two and three based on recommendations in this show, but <laughs> I don't know. Four, I, I, it's, mm. it's, it's, it's that good. I'd be interested. No? What do you think, Mo? No? Mm. Skipping it? <laughs> Just watch Major League over again. Yeah, exactly. Okay, it's maybe that's better. That's the solution. That's the best solution when anybody doesn't like a sequel. Just watch the first one again and you'd be happy. Yep. Just watch the first one over. That's a good recommendation. <laughs> I love that we did this film as a backtrack. It exposed me to it in a way I probably never would have. Look, I like sports movies. I don't know why I ever got around to this one. Uh, you guys clearly knew it very well, and I'm Hell glad yeah. I do now. So... Fourth listener, I hope you enjoyed this backtrack. I know we enjoyed I laughed the whole way through. I know I enjoyed it. <laughs> Before we leave, uh, I would like to thank a brand new financial supporter who joined us over on Patreon, Doug O. Oh, cool. He jumped on. He headed over to genxgrownup.com slash Patreon, clicked a few buttons, put in his credit card number, whatever magic it takes over there. He now sends a regular pledge to us each month to support what we do. Wow, Doug, that's awesome. thank you so much for making that commitment. It means the world to all of us and all of you who already support us and have in the past supported us through Patreon. Makes all the difference. Really keeps gas in the tank. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. That then is going to wrap it up for this backtrack edition of the Gen X Grown Up Podcast. Don't worry. We'll be back in two weeks with another one. Don't panic. But next week is the standard edition of our show. Until then, that cracks Mo up every time. Until then, I am John. George, thank you so much for being here. Yes, sir. Mo, you know, I appreciate you. Always fun, man. Fourth listener, it is you, though. We all appreciate most of all, and we will talk to you next time. Bye-bye. See you guys. Take care, everybody. JetX Grown Up is a member of the Evergreen Podcast family. Learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. Unacceptable for grown ups. Your dinner cannot just be French fries. Basically, life sucks as a grown up. Everybody, remember what you said in case it fucks up, we have to do it again later. Yeah. I'll remember an hour's worth of speech. No, no, no. Oh. You didn't say ha 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 there. You went la 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 la. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have to sync it with the video. That would be fun. George taught me all the puns so I can use them now. Well, dust off my cleats and step in the box and chin music and sports. <laughs> Hi. 
Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotis, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, Yeah. right? And, yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? (laughs) The Bigfoot thing is people have seen these, and and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Tripodis. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network.